News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Good morning and very welcome you are to morning. News Talk Breakfast. Can we first of all go to the Middle East, Tishak? Um The Al Hatley Hospital, the attack there, uh, obviously neither side says that it is them who are responsible for that blast. Uh, President of the US, Joe Biden, says it looks like it was a, a rocket fired from within Gaza. This is according to US Intel. Do we have EU Intel? Do we know what happened? Well, first of all, it is it, it holds situation really is very serious um, and as a country and as a government we're uh, calling for de-escalation. Um, we're very concerned about the humanitarian catastrophe that is unfolding in Gaza. Um, these are innocent civilians ultimately. Uh, they're not responsible for Hamas and the attacks Hamas carried out in Israel uh, and we want to see an immediate humanitarian ceasefire so that uh, Refugees can escape if they need to. Pass, foreign passport holders can, can get out. Um, we can get the aid that we need in. Uh, food, water, medicine, electricity, all of those things. Um, and uh, saying very clear as well to Hamas that Hamas should release its hostages uh, and that Israel has the right to defend itself but should do so within the structures of international humanitarian law. And that's the case we're making at the EU and the case we're making at the UN as well. Um, I think the attack on the hospital demonstrates once again the extent to which truth is the first casualty in war and um, the fact that there's a propaganda war going on here as well, uh, as well as a a military war. It's not really clear what happened. Um, Do you believe President Joe Biden that there is US intel to support the Israeli position? Oh, I do. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean US intel is is correct. It isn't always correct. And we're waiting to see what the UN is going to say. uh, a, a trusted independent source that I would pay a lot of attention to is BBC Verify. They did a, a special report on it last night. Um, we don't nef- definitely know what happened, but you know what was reported two days ago that Israel attacked a hospital and killed 500 people. It, it's not clear that any of that is true. Um, it seems the uh, bomb hit the car park or concourse rather than the hospital itself. Um, and... Uh, the death toll seems to have been a lot lower and it is very possible that it was a Palestinian rocket that misfired. Um, but Hamas, I suppose, seized the PR opportunity that, that you, arises you from, mentioned from propaganda. like this. Are we more willing to believe the Palestinian position here, do you believe, than the Israeli position? Well, I, I think that's why we all have to be very careful about our own sympathies and prejudices. And, and I am too, you know, I, I'm... I, I'm I think think Israel is a great country. I've had a chance to visit 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 it on a number of occasions, but I've huge sympathy for the Palestinian people. Um, they've been horribly treated now for seventy five years and denied self determination and denied uh, their own state. And I think Irish people, given our own history, uh, have a particular sympathy towards Palestinians. But you know, we have to be very careful about what what we believe here because this is a war and. Israel will not necessarily tell the truth or the whole truth, nor will Hamas. And we shouldn't forget what happened here, how this phase of the conflict began. It began with a pogrom, uh, the worst pogrom against the Jewish people since the Holocaust, when Hamas broke into southern Israel, killed 1,400 people, almost all civilians, including a 22-year-old Irish girl. And they knew what Israel's response would be. Uh, And uh, they have a strategy here, and it is one of escalation. Um, I'd have concerns that... um, Escalation might suit the, the, the current Israeli Prime Minister too, uh, because he's very damaged by the fact that um, uh, his promise to keep Israel safe clearly wasn't, wasn't honoured. So what we have to do as, I suppose, one of the more moderate, more sensible countries in the world uh, is to try and work with our allies, with the US, with the UN, with the EU, and, and try, try to de-escalate this and then try to get a political process back on track because 
you know, we've had more than 75 years of war and terrorism and injustice in the Middle East. And there, there is no military solution to this. Yeah. I think that's obvious. Um, the Thonistan announced a 13 million uh, euro aid package on top of the, the aid already being sent. So so almost doubling from, from uh, up to 29 million now going to, to Palestine. What's that going to be spent on? And can we guarantee it won't go any of it to Hamas? Uh, yes, um, it certainly won't go directly to Hamas and we don't believe it'll go in, indirectly either. It's essentially a humanitarian aid package and um, it's going to go uh, to NGOs on the ground and to the UN. It's, it's almost entirely going to two UN agencies. Um, and, uh, you know, people are very critical of the UN sometimes and the Security Council and how it doesn't always operate and the veto power and all those things. We should never forget the value of the UN agencies, whether it's UNIFIL in South Lebanon, where we've served for decades, um, very proudly as a nation, our defence forces, and then also uh, UNRWA, which has been okay. really uh, acting in place of a Palestinian government for a very long time. Tishak, some, some countries within the EU have, have cut, we, we have increased, but some have cut their aid to Palestine. Is there a split in the EU on how they view this conflict? I think we're in a better space than we were in, in the early days. Um, I think in the early days of this, this phase of the conflict, um, it's going on 75 years, but obviously started to escalate last week. Um, uh, we didn't have a fully united position and a lot of work was done over the weekend. Is this uh, in the wake of Ursula von der Leyen's comments? I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's just about, about Ursula. And, you know, bear in mind, everyone comes from their own perspective here. Ur- Ursula's from Germany and there's particular historical reasons as to why they may sympathise with Israel and the way we tend to sympathise more in Palestine. And that has to be understood and appreciated. Um, but I think a number of Western leaders in the initial days... Um, wanted to show solidarity with Israel because of the horrible terrorist attack that they experienced at the hands of Hamas. Um, uh, but, but what didn't happen, I think, uh, in those early days um, was very clear public calls uh, for restraint uh, and for Israel to respect interma- international humanitarian law. I think that has now changed. It's been rebalanced and Ireland, along with a number of countries, used our seat at the table to sort of recenter the European position. Uh, and it's one of the advantages of, of, of being there. We're, we're a small country. We're not a big political or economic power, but having that seat at the table, along with some other countries, I think we helped to recenter the position. And far from the aid being suspended, which was announced in the initial aftermath of the Hamas attack, the EU has decided to treble its aid uh, to Gaza, and I think that's very welcome. Okay. Um, President Higgins' comments uh, off the back of, of Ursula von der Leyen's comments, I'm not going to ask you your view on them, uh, insofar as I don't expect a member of the government to criticise the president. What I am asking you, though, is there now an acceptance that the convention of the president in Ireland being above politics is over? Because is there now an acceptance that Michael D. Higgins will comment on whatever he feels like? Well, I I think the president is above politics and I have a very good relationship with the president. I'm not going to criticise him in in any way. Um, But, you know, the constitution is clear. Foreign policy is is a matter for government and um, and, uh, we're the ones who, who will articulate that. Okay, but 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 do you think that we now accept that President Michael D. Higgins will will, will now comment on whatever he wants without any censure? Well, I, to, to be honest, I generally welcome the views of the president. Um, he's not the first president to be outspoken. Um, president Robinson was too, and I remember she used to run into some difficulties with governments at the time. Um, we don't have any difficulty in our relationship with the president. It's, it's a very strong one. Uh, I would meet him regularly. Um, debrief him on affairs of state and we'd be in contact uh, one-to-one as well. Uh, and I think, I think by and large Irish people respect that he's somebody who has views and is willing to, uh, willing to articulate them. 
Um, we were talking about the humanitarian crisis, the Rafa in crossing from from Gaza to Egypt in the wake of, of President Biden's visit is going to be open for aid and, and some of that aid, I, I think, will be funded by Ireland. Will refugees be allowed to exit Gaza through that crossing? Uh, we don't believe so at this stage. Um, what we want to make sure can happen is... Irish and EU passport holders uh, can get out because uh, we want to make sure that our citizens are brought to safety. We've roughly about 40 in Gaza and some in Israel as well who've, uh, who've left or gone north. Um, the decision on, on whether Palestinian citizens can get out will be a matter really for Egypt mm. uh, because they control the border crossing. One thing I think... Israel's Egypt- neighbours, Arab countries, despite the fact that they're Arab countries, are not overly keen on taking refugees from Gaza. Uh, well, they're not, and they've, they've taken a lot already. Let's not forget that. Um, about 40% of the population of Jordan are refugees from Syria and Palestine. Huge numbers in Lebanon. I think Egypt has 5 million refugees now. There's terrible things happening in the world. We're, we're only getting a dose of it. Um, but huge movements happening all around the world. But I think one thing Egypt will want to avoid, understandably, uh, is a further permanent displacement of Palestinian people out of the territory of Palestine. You know, this has happened for quite some time now. Um, Palestinians either fleeing or being expelled from uh, homes they've lived in for generations. And, uh, and you know, that would be wrong too. Okay. Um, you mentioned Lebanon there. Obviously, uh, Irish peacekeeping troops remain in Lebanon currently. Is that under review? In, in, in light of the fact that Hezbollah have become increasingly active, there's been mortars over and back across the border. There is a fear of, of, of a northern front opening up in this war. Yeah, we're, we're staying in Lebanon. We've about 400 uh, Defence Forces personnel in Lebanon. We have a mission in the Golan Heights between Syria and Israel as well. That's due to end next year, but that was the case anyway. Um, we'll be staying in, in Lebanon, at least for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. Um, if all-out war occurs between Hezbollah and Israel, will we still remain in our position there as peacekeeping troops? Well, we have to review that. We were there in the past when there was wars between uh, Israel and Lebanon, um, uh, and you know, generally, generally, neither side will 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 will, will, will try to target our Irish troops. But we have had Irish troops killed in 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 the theatre, as you know. Um, but I think our, ver- our very presence really makes a difference. Uh, it's not just us, there's other countries we work with too. Um, and I've had the chance to visit South Lebanon to visit with the troops before Christmas a few years ago. And if there's one thing we do there, it, it is to allow a huge number of people in South Lebanon to lead fairly normal lives. And that wouldn't be the case if it wasn't for our presence. And I think it's a big part of our contribution to the world that we have those long-standing peacekeeping operations. You mentioned being there and obviously Joe Biden has just been there. Rishi Sunak is arriving there now. Um, is there any plans for Irish politicians to go to the Middle East now, currently? Uh, not at the moment. Um, the the Taunch was only, only there a few weeks ago and uh, and is very much um, very much seized of the situation. Uh, I remember when he came back, uh, his report back to us was that the situation was very tense and that, um, you know, Things might escalate in, in, in the next couple of months. Um, I don't think any of us anticipated that to happen this way, though. Um, moving on to the budget, the recent budget there last week. It seems like a, a long time in politics, quite clearly. But the health overspend, uh, that has overspend slash underfund, depending on what perspective you come from. That has dominated a lot of the headlines since I see in the front of The Independent this morning. Ministers furious at HSE bosses' criticism. Which is it, Taoiseach? Is there, is there an overspend in the Department of Health or is it that there is in fact an underfunding, this idea that there's a deficit, that the existing level of service cannot be met by the funding that's been given to health? 
Well, look, it might be a bit of both. Um, it looks like the HSC's budget um, deficit, I think we all agree it's a deficit, uh, will be something around 1.5 billion euros this year. Um, a chunk of that is just down to increased demand. And we're seeing that across the world. Um, normal healthcare was suppressed during COVID and we're now seeing a huge uh, snapback in demand. It's not unique to Ireland. It's happening around the world and really very big attendance is happening uh, in hospitals. Uh, huge referrals from GPs for uh, investigations to specialists clinics much more so than HSE. If we know that and if we know that inflation, health health inflation is quite strong, why are we leaving it running at a 1.5 billion deficit? Well, we're not. There'll be a supplementary in December to to cover that. Um, It's not unusual for there there to be a supplementary estimate in health um, to recognise the fact that there is increased need. Um, But what we we have allocated to health for next year is is a huge budget. It's 22.5 billion euros. Hard to comprehend what that figure means, but it's 4,000 euros for every man, woman and child in the country. So let's say a family, um, husband, wife and two kids, the traditional family, if you like, they're paying 20,000 euros to the HSC alone uh, in taxes. You know, that that's the scale of funding that's going into health. Um, it is the biggest budget ever. Since I was Minister for Health, it's not that long ago, the health budget has increased by 70%. Um, yes, the population has grown and it's got older and there are new treatments, but 70% is a huge increase. Uh, but it has made a difference, by the way. You know, we've one of the best, one of the best life expectancies now in the world. Okay, but do you uh, refuse the allegations stroke that are a lot better. T- Tony um, O'Brien said in the Sunday Independent a couple of days ago that uh, dark politics are involved in the, in the structuring of the health budget. And he actually suggested that yourself and Pascal Donoghue are are acting in a manner to make a Fianna Fáil Minister of Health look bad. Yeah, look, I, I, I totally reject that. Um, first of all, the budget was agreed uh, by everyone at Cabinet and the three party leaders. Um, the budget that was agreed for this year, for which there's a 1.5 billion euro um, deficit, was agreed before Pascal became public expenditure minister. Will we be running a deficit I, next year in the same way we are what, this year? What I, what, I, what, I, what I would say is, is that... This is this is going to be a shared problem for government. There might be people in the political system who play this, you know, Fianna Fáil versus Fine Gael game or the government versus HSC game. I absolutely guarantee you that when I knock on doors and talk to everyday people, the government, the HSC, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, the Greens, they see it all as our problem and you guys fix it. And if people in, in the bars of Leinster House are hanging around cafes talking to journalists and columnists don't get that, then they shouldn't be writing about politics. Um, moving on to the National Children's Hospital, we're hearing now that the first patients will attend the National Children's Hospital in 2025. It will have cost in excess of, of two billion. A, a runaway train. A lot of people would suggest, Taoiseach, that, that the fatal flaw was the design process. You were Minister for Health at the time that the tender and procurement process happened. Are you responsible for the fact that the, the National Children's Hospital is almost four times over its original budget and years late in its delivery? I, I, I was Minister when, when the Planning Commission was secured that the tender process happened under under my successor. Um, but I have been in government f- for most of the periods when the key decisions were made around that hospital, but it does actually go back to... Can I quote you back to you in 2017? Um, funding is in place and short of an asteroid hitting the planet the National Children's Hospital will be built by 2020. Yeah, well, that, that, that was clearly incorrect. I, I was wondering when that was going to come back up. Uh, it does periodically, and, and that was certainly the, the advice that 
I would have got for, at the time, but it was incorrect. And essentially, I think what's happened here uh, is this is an absolutely huge project. And um, unfortunately, the contractor hasn't been able to resource it properly. Uh, and that's why it's been That's that two-stage process, though, isn't it? That the final fit-out wasn't part... Like, it was a, there was the, the, the building of the hospital and then the fit-out separately. And that's why we've had all the delays and all the overruns in terms of well, funding. Okay. I, I think there would be a number of reasons. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a constrained site, Brownfield site in the city centre. That makes it more challenging. Um, a, a huge project, the biggest we've ever done, the biggest the contractor has done. And what, what the board would say... Uh, and they would say this and have said this, uh, is is at no point during the number of years that this has been under construction has the contractor had the full amount of staff on site that they promised. But here, here is the good news. Um, and of course, this could, could slip, but we we're confident that it won't. The hospital will be handed over to the stage next year and the year after patients will, will be seen there. And this will be one of the best paediatric hospitals in the world, born digital, state-of-the-art equipment, MRIs, theatres, you name it. Parts of it are already open in Tala and Conley, the satellite centres. And parents who have taken their kids there have just got a glimpse of what paediatric healthcare is going to look like in Ireland compared to what we have, for example, in Temple Street, which really belongs to a different century. Two last very quick questions for you. Um, today in the papers, the, the chief executive of Merchants Key says that it is middle class drug users who are driving a lot of the, the drugs industry here mm. and the problems that we see that come from that. Do you agree with him? Uh, look, I, I think that's, that, that's, that's a legitimate view. Um, a lot of that, though, is, 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 is I suppose other people would argue that that's, that's in part because, because of criminalisation. Um, you know, what would happen if, if alcohol, alcohol is the biggest drug abuse, drug abuse in Ireland by a mile. It's the one that does the most harm in our society. Um, it's partly because it's legal and we're yeah, looking at legalising well, yeah, or decriminalising yeah. drugs. And, and if we did, well, we haven't made any decision on that, but if we did criminalise alcohol, what would happen? We'd hand it over to criminal gangs and people would be consuming impure alcohol and dying as a result. So there's no straightforward answer to these things. Very last question for you. Uh, one Northern Hemisphere team left in the Rugby World Cup. Will you be supporting England, Taoiseach? Um, I, I haven't decided yet. I was going to support France and then they got knocked out. So um, um, I guess it depends on who they're up against. Um, I, I, I do, well, I, I do up, like to support our neighbours. They can neighbors only be up against European one of three teams. Yeah, yeah. Can I come back to on that when we, when we see us in the final? Is that, I, an, I, is that I, an ecumenical I, matter? I wouldn't not. Like I've an, I've an English nephew and niece and they'll all be cheering for England. So I'd like to see them happy. Tishak Leo Bradker, thank you very much for speaking to us on News Talk Breakfast. Thank you. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.